Turn in your scriptures this morning to Second Peter. And many of you, if you've been here for a while, you know what's coming. Hi, Claire. Good to see you. Oh, man. I won't do it to anybody else in the room. Just relax, everybody. Just a miss, Claire. Um, very excited. Actually, I will. I will do it. The Lutzes have a third Lutz on the way. Congratulations. And it's fantastic to see you guys here. Um, all right, I'm done. I'm serious. I'm not going to call on anybody else. All right. We're excited this morning about looking forward to next year, but we can't look forward until we take account of this past year. And many of you know what's coming next week, right? First Sunday of the year. You know it's my State of the Church address. You know that I've threatened many years to walk into triumphant horns and secret service patrol, um, and yet I resist. So this morning, we're going to do something a little bit different, because we never have enough time. It gets a little convoluted. It's, it's like drinking out of a fire hose next week. If we do all about what we have seen happen, and then where are we going? So today is an examination of what God has done here at Conquer Bible Church this year. Is our theme really purposeful enough that we strive to live according to that? Or are we just throwing out a slogan like Nike or something? And we just forget it. Well, let's find out. And just understand that as we go through this and we reflect on it, that in a moment I'm going to show you, I'm going to take you through a slideshow that's been a little bit redacted and changed up um, that we showed a portion of at our Thanksgiving dinner, a reflection on this past year of God's work here at Concord Bible Church. But before we get to that, let's get to our passage that we said we were going to emphasize in our lives, in our personal lives. And as we do so, I encourage you, I challenge each of you to look respectively into your heart, into your life, and ask, did I increase in this area this year? Did I see God do what He promised to do? Did I partake? Did I partake? Well, let's start in verse 3. And we're going to go verse 3 through 11. And I'm going to move through very quickly. This isn't necessarily a sermon, folks. This is a worship Sunday. We do this every, five Sunday, every fifth Sunday. If we have a fifth Sunday month, we spend more time focusing on prayer, uh, testimony time. We're going to have a testimony time coming up uh, in a moment. And it's an open testimony time. This is how we get in touch with our charismatic self around here. All right? So what we want to do is we want to encourage you to be thinking, how have you seen God working, and give praise to that, because that's what the Lord desires of us, is that we're encouraged by one another. You encourage your pastor, because I don't know all that's going on in your life. Great opportunity for those that went to Mexico to share with us a little bit about what Mexico was like, because we'll see some pictures. So be thinking as we get to that testimony time. But this morning, it's not really a sermon, my friends. It's more of a reflection in, in, say, the voicing of the high priest Ezra, coming to the people as they were excited about what the Lord had in the future for them. They reflected on the past, remembering what He had done for them. 
So with that tenor, with that attitude, let's look quickly through this. And this morning as we do so, I ask one question. And it's going to be up on the screen right there. Verse 3. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. This year, did you surrender over choices, decisions, activities to God? Did you ask God, did I ask God, to act on behalf of His will instead of my will, so that I would see things that would go far beyond I could ever possibly imagine, get off of my little road map and get onto His big one? Did I see God do things that went way beyond my ability? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. And His power, His divine power, that which is good, that which is holy, that which has no error, was at work in our lives. It gave the answers that I needed when I was going in prayer, when I was frustrated, when I had great difficulty. And I was seeking Him out and I said, God, what do I do? And He said, sometimes hold still. Don't do anything. If you do, you're going to mess it up. I'm at work. All you who are in life groups, does that sound familiar? I'm at work. And I'll give you the answer because I promise to for all things for all things whether I'm joining a church plant whether I'm thinking about getting married whether I'm transitioning in, in a job whether I've got family that are suffering whether I struggle with does this girl like me or does that guy like me Grades, school. His divine power goes to all things in life and godliness. And in every aspect that we have turned that over this past year, in a formal way at Conquer Bible Church, we have seen the answer, and it's been a godly one. Amen? He continues on through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. Two things here. Through the knowledge of Him isn't just a simple knowing. Now when we jumped on the freeway yesterday, I knew that the beautiful drive called Five Freeway. They call it the Golden Interstate, if you didn't know that. Uh, oh, it was so beautiful. Um, and yet, even though I knew the path, even though I knew the different stops, even though I knew Harris Ranch would be our, our, our halfway midpoint and we would take probably three years off our respiratory life stopping there. How many of you hit the uh, recyclable air in your car as you get within 10 miles of that spot? Some of you, ha I can tell right now, you have no idea what Harris Ranch is. All right, just stay off 5 Freeway and you, you'll be fine. But what I did not understand was how many people would be traveling on that road yesterday. Now I knew the path and I knew how to drive it 
That's why I let Alan drive. But I did not understand how difficult it would be. This is this word knowledge, my friends. It's not just this word gnosis. It's not just to have a, uh, uh, a, a informational grasping of what's going on around me. It's that that information, once I grasp it, changes my life, so then I turn around and I act on it, and I get on the off-ramp, turn back around, and stay at Grandma's house for another three days. That's this word knowledge. Epignosis. That your, your knowledge, your information, so dictates your heart that there is a deeper understanding that it is reflected in how you act. That's the kind of knowledge through Him that Peter's talking about. This is how we can know His divine power. James says that the demons know who Jesus is and they shudder. But they did not act appropriately to that information, did they? They didn't have an epignosis of who God is. How is our knowledge of Him? Did we just spend this past year gathering biblical information? I once heard a pastor say this about churches. That churches are like, and to go right back to Harris Ranch. If any of you own stock in Harris Ranch, I apologize. It seems like I'm just going south with that, that uh, alliteration. But uh, just like Harris Ranch... This pastor said, you know, churches are a lot like manure piles. They just keep gathering information from Bible studies, and pretty much they just stink. Because they never use it. They never use it. It just keeps piling up. So this year, were you just an information gatherer about who God is? Or did that information change your life and revolutionize your life so that there was change around you and you were a partaker in His divine nature? By the way, you and I are called to this. How do I know that? Because it said it. It says it. Who called us to His own glory and excellence. That simply means this, is that as a church, as the church... As the bride of Christ, we are called to His glory. What does that mean? That means that my life needs to reflect God. It means that in Matthew 5, when it says that we're a city on a hill, that we're like a light, and we don't want to hide that under a stand, that the salt and all of that, that we should shine His glory so that what? Those around us may give glory to our Father in heaven. That is what you and I are called to, my friend. We cannot do this without His power working effectively through us because we what? Have a knowledge of it? No, we have an understanding of it. It is active. It is at work through us. People see it and they give glory to God because of it. Was that our year this year? And because of all that, because of His work through us according to His or our knowledge in Him who called us to His glory and grace by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. What a beautiful statement. What a beautiful statement. Christ has given us promises. The Father has given you and I promises. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. And if you do so, what will happen? Go well with you and you'll live long. Even if you drive by Harris Ranch. What are some other promises? 
If we're talking about this, I need to know, do you know the promises of God? What are some other promises? He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. If we deny Him, He will what? He is still faithful to call us to Himself. But yes, there is an element of that. If we call out to Him in prayer, if we seek first the kingdom of God, if we come to Him in prayer, whatever we ask, right out of John, whatever we ask in His name, what? It will be given to you. Do you live by the promises of God? Because of His divine power, He has granted to us His very great... And by the way, Peter uses a modifier here, doesn't he? Think right now, what has God done in your life? What is God doing in your life that is precious to you? If you have not yet tasted of that, pursue Him. Pursue Him. You will see some things in a moment in some slides that will be reminders of His precious promises. You know, there are churches that want to just focus on the knowledge, which is very important, my folks, uh, uh, my friends. You, you need to understand the Word of God. But some churches get scared of the emotive. They don't like to use the word experience. I'm sorry, when there's a thief hanging on the cross next to Jesus Christ, he was emotional. He was moved. When Jesus saw the people weeping over Lazarus, he was what? He was moved. When he looked over Jerusalem and knew that they would reject him, he was what? He was moved. Our God is a God of emotion. We should be moved. We need to be partakers of the divine nature. What's this word partakers? It means to have a share in. It means to have some skin in the game. And it's not like, and I think sometimes we as Christians do this a little bit too much. Uh, how many of you, your team is playing today? All right, we even have some representation. Um, and, and what position do you play on that, that team, Fernando? Fanatic. 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 Very good. Great answer, my friend. But how many of us do that? It's our team, and, and, and you're, you're listening to this person, because it's not you. I know it's not you. But you're listening to this person as if they're, they're on payroll, you know? They've been hired by, uh, by the team. That's what it means to be a partaker. That's what it means to have a share of what's going on. Are you that person when it comes to heaven, when it comes to the kingdom of God, when it comes to the things of God? Were you that way this year? Did you share in His excellence? Did you share in His work? Did you share in His glory? When there was things going on around you, whether to trial, and yet God was working through that, or to glory, God was working through that, did you share in it? This is to what we're called. How do we do all this? By the way, he gives a parenthetical thought here. Having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. 
That is more than a parenthetical thought. It is a reminder. And by the way, if you keep reading in this chapter, that's what Peter says explicitly. It's implicit here, but explicitly he is reminding us because he's going away to be martyred. And he's saying, I have very little time. Even now they are leading me by my hand to my death. What would you say if you knew you were going to die the next day? And who would you say it to? What would it look like? What would it taste like? What would it smell like? He's saying in a moment he'll use the actual word remind. He's reminding us now that because of His precious promises, because of His grace afforded to us, because of His divine power working in our lives, we can escape the corruption of the world. How many of you have experienced the escape of the corruption of the world? You know what it tastes like. You know what it feels like. I know a gentleman that was a professor at Master's College and he and I keep up and I just read something by him yesterday where he was responding to those who talk about tolerance in in our society and he said, I wonder if people who are critical of Christians and saying if I could just see God through you, I might change. And he was quoting a philosopher, a current day philosopher, and he says, you didn't know me in my past, but I do. And I dread who I was. He escaped by the divine power, by His very great and precious promises. For those of us that are here that have experienced that, remind yourselves what you have escaped from. What He has called you out of what He, through His power, has pulled you through. So what do we do? In light of all this, where do we go? And let's break this down quickly. Verse 5, For this very reason, because of all of this, Peter is saying, for this very reason, now make every effort. Don't approach it in a lazy way. Don't approach it half-hearted. Make every effort. So did we do this this past year? Did we make every effort to do this? Make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. That which is good, that which is holy, that which is pure is that word virtue. And virtue with knowledge. And by the way, the word knowledge here is information. It's gnosis. It's not the epignosis. So there's value to study. So are we seeking to supplement our faith with that which is good, that which is holy, that which is righteous, that which is virtuous. And then our virtue, are we supplementing that with the Word of God and understanding deep knowledge so we're not left wondering and wanting. And knowledge with self-control. How many of us this past year have struggled with self-control? And we've said, I can't do it. Oh, that's a hard one. As I went through this and I was challenged with these principles in this list, this was the hardest one for me this past year. And I had to try to force myself, and then I learned, you know what, I really can't do that in my power. I'm just going to ask God to help me proceed by His power. And I became a partaker. I had a share in it. And I saw growth. And self-control with steadfastness. How many of you have given up in the past? But this year, because of His divine power, you didn't cease. How many of us are ready to give up now? 
His divine power through His precious promises will give you the ability to move forward. Don't give up. Be steadfast. I receive some very... It's always hard to go home sometimes, right? So as we went down south, south was home for me for the better part of 24 years. And we long to visit with friends from down there, but at the same time, it's a little bit difficult. And this time was no different. And on Christmas and the day after Christmas, it was a litany of experiences of hearing about lives destroyed because people just gave up. Just gave up. Engaged in some initial conversation with a family I cared deeply about. They cared deeply about my family. And on the surface, everything seemed great. And I received a communication at 3.45 a.m. saying, I don't want to be fake with you. Our marriage is over. It's done. We filed for divorce. It's a disaster. I've given up. I can't do this anymore. Please forgive me and pray for us. Be steadfast. Because the alternative for this couple is no good. And if that is you, turn to Christ. Don't do it in your own power. You won't make it. But through His power. And this couple had already gone through this multiple times. And they tried to do it in their own power and it didn't work. But when they did it in His power, the week we left Southern California, we went out to their house. There was such joy in their faces. Such joy in their house. Because they were living by His great and precious promises. But they weren't steadfast. They weren't steadfast. Add to your steadfastness, godliness. The idea of being righteous. The idea of pursuing that which is right. That which is holy. That which is good. We live in a society that doesn't want to have us do this. We need to pursue that which is right and hold and grasp it tightly. Did we do that this year? Did we make strident efforts to do that? And godliness with brotherly affection. Did we reach out to those around us and care for one another? I've seen it over and over in this church. The beauty. Actually, as I walked around before service, I was saying hi to different people. And, and someone shared with me, I, they said, you know, how, how was your Christmas? And I said, oh, it was great, it was fantastic. And, and didn't mention Harris Ranch at all. And, um, and I said, you know, obligated, but, you know how was your Christmas? And, and they shared that they stayed here and someone in the church invited them over for Christmas. That's what this church is about. And folks, if you, if you were alone on Christmas, my apologies to you, please. Let us know. We don't want that to happen. Easter, Arbor Day, I don't care. We'll go celebrate Arbor Day together. And brotherly affection with love. And Peter ends with the greatest quality. Love. Because if God's love drives through all of these efforts, it perfects them. It perfects them. Did you increase in your love? 
for Christ first and then for the body and for those around you this past year? What grade would God give you on this past year? And then here's a promise. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Again, Peter reminding us, remember where you came from and leave it there. And then verse 10 he says, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent. Remember, he started out with this list saying, make every effort. Now he's reminding us again, because he knows we have this attitude to drop off, to be lazy, to forget, to become about ourselves, and to leave these disciplines aside so when we get to the end of a period of time and we examine our lives or God examines our lives, what is there? And suddenly we say, oh, oh, I kind of lost track. And Peter knows the human condition, what we fight against, and so he says again, be diligent. Be diligent. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind. We can't see it having forgotten that He was cleansed from His former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if you practice these qualities, you will never what? You will never fall. By the way, did it say if you perfect these qualities? No. He's not calling us to perfection. Practice them, but don't do so in your own power. The most exciting and invigorating thing, and you'll see it in a moment on the screen, is watching God's power at work when you couldn't do anything to make it happen. Then you know the power of God is alive and is at work and is true. And that provides the steadfastness. That provides the godliness. That provides the love. That provides the knowledge. It provides the motivation and the drive to be diligent. And He is faithful to do it. And what is the result? It's where we started today. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. My friends, that is the ultimate goal. That is the ultimate goal. This is what God has for you and I. It was a blessing last week. I didn't get to share with you because you all went home to celebrate Christmas. It was a blessing last week to see the fruition of God's divine power at work. I've been standing here preaching God's Word for the better part of seven years now. And one of the biggest blessings I receive is when I can see the Holy Spirit working on your hearts. You may not think it's reflective, but it is reflective. It's also a blessing to see when you guys take a nap every once in a while. Knowing that you're getting caught up on that sleep. I'm just kidding. But it's been my privilege over the past three weeks to watch God working in people's hearts. And at the end of service last week, I was privileged to sit with someone who asked Christ to be Lord and Savior of their life last week. Richly provided for you an entrance into the kingdom of heaven. Another individual that 
Many in this church know. And they're sitting there with their jaws dropping on the ground. Saying, what is going on? I never imagined this person would pursue God. And I heard stories over the previous week. At the end of the service, that individual came up to me and said, Pastor, I need to get into Bible study. You know that when you're at that point, I truly believe. You may not have said all the right words according to our little prayers and things. But Scripture says this, if you want to base it off Scripture, no one will pursue God unless God calls them to Him. And what seemed foolishness for this one individual for his entire life, he jumped crosses. And he's pursuing God. And the jaws hit the ground. You're going to see some of that right now. I'm going to ask Stephen to step up and play a song that's instrumental. (laughs) That was horrible. That just came to me. But it is. It truly is instrumental in... Boy, did I just totally change the demeanor of the room. But it is instrumental... Very much so by the words. I was in here last night setting everything up and I had Hillsong playing over the system and it just happened to come on. I didn't even know it was on the list. After I asked you this morning to step up and play this, I look and I'm thinking, wow, it's already there. We've already sung this song today. But there is one thing you will see in particular that works with some of these words that is the capstone for me about what we just said was our calling this year. These are things that the Lord led us to do as part of Concord Bible Church in context to gaining in our knowledge, our steadfastness, our faithfulness, our virtue, focusing on His divine promises, our godliness, and our love. Oh 
As Steve continues to play, our question this morning is, 
If you're part of CBC this year, did you see His divine power at work? I can only put up on the screen that which I know of. What's so much more desperately important is you, your soul, your life, privately, away from here. We can schedule the opportunities. We have to schedule the worship. And that's our joy. But it is so much more beyond what you just saw on the screen. It's about that personal relationship. That was in here last night. in a prayer time with God. Did you ever have those moments where you just ask Him for forgiveness because your, your attitude was wrong? Just keep saying, God, why aren't we seeing this or why aren't we seeing that? I looked up on the screen as I was just testing things out. You know, it's amazing how God shows up in those moments. And this picture was a This is what it's about. Many of you don't even know Eric. But Eric sat right here after Easter services and realized he couldn't do it in his own power. And he said, I need Christ. It was my privilege to baptize him this summer. There's a verse to this song that played as I saw this on the screen last night. It has something to do with new days come and when it's time to go. When it's time to be with the Lord. You see, Eric's been battling terminal cancer. Eric's at home right now, in his bed. Raquel told me last week he's on oxygen. That is to God's glory. Because this young man, who's powerful, who's strong, who grew up in prison and had his life changed. Spent the better part of his treatments in Mexico last month talking about Jesus to anybody who would listen from what I hear. Eric doesn't look like this anymore, right? If the Lord decides to heal Eric, praise God. But if he doesn't, 
Bless the Lord, O my soul. His divine power has fallen upon Eric. And he stood in front of you and gave testimony to that this past summer. I cannot give a greater testimony to his glory and grace and what it means to be a divine partaker than this picture. Steve, why don't you lead us in worship?